Downloads of this show are available on Podomatic.com and the Podomatic mobile app. You are listening to Troubadours and Tours with E.W. Conundrum Demure on Radio Free Brooklyn. Welcome to episode 263 of Troubadours and Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. On this week's episode, we debut the voice of a new contributor to the program, Dwayne Heisler. He is a community activist, a politician, an artist, among other things. We talk with Duane about housing, employment, and public accommodation for those fellow citizens that are LGBTQ. We talk about legislative efforts to make certain that all citizens, citizens, regardless of who they love and who they date, will uh, have access to the rights and privileges of being part of the United States of America. We talk about empathy and try to reflect and understand why people who have a problem with those they don't for whatever reason, understand how they tick, why they behave in the way that they do as best as we can. We try to figure that one out. Uh, there are some anecdotes, real-life scenarios that are shared, too, regarding these sorts of issues. And um, we talk a bit about gerrymandering and uh, acceptance and understanding and fear, bathrooms, you know, Trump... Oy, 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 a little Trump we talk about. His own words we use to uh, exemplify his contradiction and his unhinged soulless lunacy. Oops, getting a little jaded there, sorry. The debut of a new regular contributor, Dwayne Heisler, today on the program. We also have an EW essay by yours truly, titled Overpriced Scones, and uh, we have the words and philosophy of Chairman Mao, read by the voice of our associate producer, Dr. Michael Pavis, and we have a poem titled Gong, and this, as is always the case, will be ensconced, infused, imbued with the music of some fantastic artists via several choice tunes. Let's get to it. Episode 263 of Troubadours and Rock-On Tours. Thank you. 
Overpriced scones. My way is the long way. Maybe my head is the wrong head. That is most certainly subjective. Two trees outside 50 yards from my second-story powder room window stand side by side, 30 feet high, each with a circumference near the ground, a sound, eighty inches or so, around. These stand tall and strong, keeping this neighborhood together, despite the city's neglect and sloven ways. As I pause to reflect, billions of people are living right now, as am I, and we barely, rarely, see the miraculous connection we share, alive under this sky at these moments in time, as if the measure of time matters beyond how it satisfies our need for control and semblance of substance. Why, then, don't we understand and celebrate that we are all dreaming together in a collective unconscious. There are indeed those who understand. They are the ones smiling, earnest, content, and warm. They seem young or perhaps touched to us. We who are crazily working toward a feared abyss of nothingness, as slowly but surely we transform into confident, narrow-minded drones, drinking warm libations, eating overpriced scones.
Is that you? Is that you? That's me. All right. All nice right. to have you on Troubadours and Rock on Tour, sir. Thank you so much for being on the program. Thanks for having me. And before we get started, I'd like to give uh, some folks background information, if you don't mind. That would be great. All right. Here we go. Engaging organizations and individuals to promote effective leadership to create stronger, inclusive communities, and to secure local prosperity for the future. Dwayne Heisler relocated to Bloomsburg, Pennsylvania from Bucks County, PA, where he studied computer information sciences and became an entrepreneur, small business owner for 25 years. Passionate about social justice and progressive ideas, being elected to the PA Democratic State Committee representing Columbia County was a natural fit. Duane has served in leadership positions, including DNC delegate for Senator Bernie Sanders, PA Voter Outreach and Registration Committee co-chair, PA LGBT Caucus Secretary, PA Dem Fest Chair, PA Second Star Society, founder of BU Envoy Program for Students. I presume that's Bloomsburg University. That's right. Founder of Equality Non-Discrimination, or END, BU LGBTQA Commission Community Advocacy Award, two-time Charles F. Lindman Award for Instructor of the Year, Education Unit Award, Beacon Award, ACA Legislative Lobbying, and Kurt Swirsky Outstanding and Innovative Leadership Award. Also, when Dwayne is not facilitating presentations, he's directing, playing, or singing early medieval Renaissance music, or enjoying time with his dogs and his husband near Bloomsburg, Pennsylvania. Ladies and gentlemen, Dwayne Heisler. First of all, am I pronouncing your last name correctly? Yes, it's Heisler. Thank you, Lawrence. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, so today I, you do a lot of things. You have, you're a, a man of many hats. But I'd like to uh, focus on your experience 
and your vision, your ideas, your analysis regarding LGBTQ issues in our society. Right. So, um, so it's a it's a big topic, Lawrence. Um, Pennsylvania really stands out from all the other states in the Northeast because, um, according to Pennsylvania law, um, you know, it does not include LGBT um, or transgender uh, rights, and so. This is probably hard to believe, but especially in uh, 2018, but someone can be fired from their job, they can be denied housing, and they can um, be denied services um, because of who they love. And um, that's still the law in Pennsylvania, and it has not been changed. Yeah, that... uh... So when that that is very embarrassing as a fellow citizen of Pennsylvania, um, and when you look at other states, uh, I know we have a lot of listeners. We have listeners all across the the planet, actually, but we also um, have many listeners in the New York City area. So, New York State, how does it compare? So um, they have these rights. And so now there's some municipalities within the state of Pennsylvania that have granted these. But let me put it into real terms. If I were to walk into a restaurant here in the town of Bloomsburg and uh, someone saw that I was uh, gay, maybe my they saw me with my husband or my wedding ring or read about me in the local paper or something, they could say, um, I'm very sorry, Mr. Heisler, but we're going to have to ask you to leave. And it's perfectly within their rights. I can be kicked out of a movie theater, a, um, a restaurant, any kind of public service, because um, that's how the laws are. There's no protections that are extend- extended. Also, um, I could be fired from a job. I think that all hardworking people, including gay and transgender, should be treated fairly and equally. And, um, and that's just not the way the states are. I don't think anyone should have to leave with the fear of being legally fired for reasons that have nothing to do with your job performance or working hard um, to provide a living for your family. Um, but that's not what the laws say. In fact, a seeing eye dog has more rights than I do. You cannot kick a seeing eye dog out of a restaurant, but you can kick me out because I'm gay. That's crazy. Uh, I know, quite right? frankly, yeah, it is. Now, <laughs> how about the federal level, though? Aren't there, aren't there laws in place at the federal level that would uh, supersede laws at the state level? They've been trying to push through laws to help to cover the whole country, but it, it really isn't that. It's up to individual states to provide these rights. Um, it's kind of funny because people say, well, we should push this on the federal level. And then, you know, there's other people that argue for state rights and they're like, oh, well, it should be on a state level. Here's something that I learned when we tried to push an ordinance in Bloomsburg to protect all the citizens equally. Uh, they said, oh, this should be taken care of on a, on a state level. And it's only those people who don't want to see it happen that say that it should be someone else's problem and not take any kind of responsibility for treating citizens equally. And I think, quite honestly, that that's shameful. Um, since 2001, the Pennsylvania State Le- Legislature has had one form or another of um, of uh, legislation um, in in front of it um, in terms of in committee. We already have the votes to pass it through the legislature, but it is not allowed to get out of committee because of one legislator, and his name is Daryl Metcalf, and he prevents it from going forward. He is the most homophobic um, legislator that I can think of. And, and where is he out of? Uh, he's from Western PA somewhere. Um, I, you know, honestly, I try not to 
um, you know, with, with all the with all the um, the lines shifting, although the states didn't shift at all. I'm not quite sure what counties he covers, but um, but he's out in um, in um, the kind of the middle or western part of the state, and um, he just prevents it from moving forward, and he can. Um, he is uh, in a, uh, a district that's gerrymandered, so he is pretty assured of winning, and he has nothing to fear from his constituents. Although maybe in this year, where we just saw what happened with Connor Lamb, maybe something could happen there. But um, that's the sad thing about gerrymandering, where people are not held accountable to the voices of the state. Um, it, you know, overall, survey after survey shows that people believe that everyone should be treated equally. Everyone should be able to care for their families and have the responsibilities of caring for your families. Um, but um, this is something that's just being held up. Now, wh- how do you, how do you uh, respond to the arguments? I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about some of the more national uh, cases that I've heard, the one that's going to be in front of the Supreme Court uh, again uh, regarding uh, like a baker saying, I don't want to sell uh, my cake or make you know uh, pastries for the wedding of some of people of same sex because it violates my right to you know exercise my religion you know first amendment right freedom of religion how do you respond to that so i this is thank you for the question i think that that's very important i think that businesses that are open to the public should be open to everyone on the same terms. And that includes customers who are gay or transgender. I don't think that anyone should be turned away from a business or denied service um, like like a, in, for baking a cake um, because of who they are or who they love. And, you know, it's, it's the golden rule, treat others how you would like to be treated. And, you know, when we say that businesses are open to the public, I, I'm not talking about private clubs, you know, um, or a church, for that matter. You know, um, they determine who their members are, and they are, of course, freedom of religion is very important to to everyone, and I respect those, um, and there's a church for that, or the Boy Scouts, a private club, or whatever that might be. But when you have a business that's open to the public, to deny a section of that public denies that they are citizens, it denies that they're human. And it's embarrassing, quite frankly. And I don't think that that's a community that's open and welcome. And I don't think that that's what our communities strive for. In central Pennsylvania, I think every community wants to be open and wants to be thriving and wants to seem inclusive. And so it's these few outliers. And most businesses are like that. Quite honestly, Lawrence, most businesses say, hey, we want to treat people equally. But unless there's a law there, you're going to have these bad actors that are trying to make some kind of statement and be and 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 employ these discrimination uh, kind of tactics. And I appreciate that. And I look at the legal ramifications of uh, you know, fellow citizens. You know, if we truly are a society that is free and is just, all citizens should have the same rights, the same uh, access to the benefits of being a citizen of the country. No doubt. Now, so you hit that. And, and that's a great rational uh, argument that you, you put out there. And I think it's going to win eventually. And in large part, I, I, you're, I, I know what you know, that most people do support that mentality. Uh, but what about those outliers, those smaller-minded people, if I, if I may say that? I think it's safe to say that. Uh, how do you – let's get deeper. Like what, what do you think, outside of rationality – this is not even rational, I don't think. Why do you think – 
the mentality exists from your own experience. You're you're a gay man. You've experienced it firsthand, and you also are a, basically a, a politician and a community activist who goes out and tries to figure out what's go what, what the tendency, what the mentality is, so that you can address it in our in our uh, through our government. What? Why do you think people who are so opposed to LGBTQ folks? Why are they? What? Where does it come from? So um, we've seen a change. Um, Lawrence, and I, I think this is important that um, we've seen this change in our society about how we view um, L the LGBT community. And I think one of the reasons for that is the fact that um, that more people have come out. They have um, been honest with their friends and family and their coworkers. And I think now more than ever, um, someone somewhere has a relative or a coworker or a friend who is LGBT or transgender. And I think that single act of doing that and bringing it into the public light um, helped us to move down um, the the um, the path towards acceptance and understanding and and I don't want to sound too much like Marvel comics but people tend to fear those things that they don't understand and so by by doing that and coming you know and then you almost get into the situation well you know I don't know about gay people but I know Dwayne and he's okay you know like so you, you start opening up those doors and the communication starts happening when that doesn't happen then. I think that there is mistrust, there is fear, and I think that those things really kick in. And ultimately, people, you know, they they are, um, you know, they, they don't, they're, if they're afraid, um, they, they don't like that feeling. And I think that it tends to create um, or is a contributor to hate of those that are different, those that are considered outsiders, um, that kind of mentality kind of grips us and um and i think that, that that that's what happens and so um i think having conversations and being able to communicate uh, you know i the fact of the matter is is that anyone who's lgbt um or transgender would, would i mean they they want to provide for their families um they they want to work together when i when i got married um you know, I was with my partner for 17 years, but we only got married when it was legal in Pennsylvania. You know, I, I wasn't so, you know, thinking about marriage at the at the time. I, I wasn't, I thought of it as being a straight institution and I didn't know how important it was, but my thoughts on that really evolved. Like, it's hard enough to get through this world. And I think that by getting married, we were kind of saying to our community and to the society that this is tough and we're going to stick together. So you don't need to worry about us. We're going to we're going to help each other. We're going to um, have a family. We're going to work hard. We're going to be active in our community. We're going to be good citizens and, and we're going to take care of each other because this world is hard enough. And and to have this kind of built in um, uh, uh, bar barrier to that where we could be discriminated against or held back in some way from just taking care of each other is just plain wrong. Yeah. Uh, and I think, I mean, when you go back to the initial question I, I asked, it's it, it stems from uh, isolation and, and uh, ignorance in a way. When folks hate or feel uncomfortable and are afraid of what they don't understand, they don't have any... They're they're living in a very uh, narrow sort of landscape or or uh, context, I suppose. Now maybe religion too, to a certain extent. I don't want to bash on religion. I'm not particularly religious, 
But I know a lot of people who value and help religion. Religion is important. I don't want to disrespect them. But oftentimes, religion, from my experience, does, if not blatantly, subtly says these kinds of people are not right. So that's really interesting because we're kind of looking at religion as if it's some kind of monolithic block when the fact of the matter is, is that I've been welcomed in, um, in Unitarian churches, in synagogues, in uh, Catholic churches. People know who I am, and it really depends upon, you know, the, um, the, the priest or the minister or the rabbi or whoever it might be, and the congregation about how accepting they are, how knowledgeable they are, and how welcoming they are. I mean, look at our Pope right now, right? So, yeah. you know, I, I think that, that that's something. But another example of fear, and this often gets brought up, um, there's fear of like bathrooms and privacy and safety. And I think that's one of the most um, outrageous kind of things. The, the fact of the matter is that all of us, including people who are transgender, um, care about their safety and their privacy in a bathroom. I mean, who doesn't, right? And then, so the, the idea that, that somehow um, the, you know, like nothing, nothing, nothing about the laws that are proposed by adding LGBT to the law of protected classes would say that it's, um, it's illegal to enter a restroom or to harass people or invade their privacy. I think that, you know, when people have to go, they have to go and they want their privacy. And so, you know, it's not straightforward and, and, and neither should they be harassed in a bathroom, right? Right. Um, right. The LGBT community. And so I think that that's one of the most um, obvious um, uh, fear that, that people have um, when, when they start talking about restroom politics. Well, and I think, it, again, it goes back to, to uh, misunderstanding and ignorance, uh, to, to put it mildly. Uh, it's, it's almost there's a presumption, a, a presumption that if you're not straight, then in some way you're, you're a weirdo. You know, like you, you have these impulses and these drives that are depraved. Uh, and that, you know... That's insulting, I'm sure. It's insulting for me to think of it that way because I have a lot of people that I care about dearly that also happen to have a sexual orientation that's not straight. And if they're being made to feel that way, that upsets me. If I am myself someone who is going to be treated that way, as a, looked at as being depraved or weird, man, that's got to be debilitating. When you're just trying, as you said earlier, you're just trying to live life. It's hard enough. It's yeah. hard enough. So I, I, I agree. You know, I have something I don't know, and maybe you can give me a little bit of guidance. Am I allowed to say words that the president has said on the air here? Yes. Okay. Well, then let me just go forward with this. I have to tell you how personally insulted I was. You know, as a gay man, um, you know, in society, and, you know, I'm an older guy, and the whole idea of how I've had to watch myself around people and be careful and always be cautious and, you know, being told and hearing that gay people are sexual predators and we have to keep them away from our children and how they threaten society and all this. When I hear my president talk about on tape how he grabs a woman's pussy, you know, and I'm just thinking, wow, and we're the predators. We're the ones that we have to watch out for. You know, when I hear straight man after straight man in this day, in this Me Too movement, who has assaulted and who have attacked women um, and are getting away with it, I am so outraged, it's barely containable, um, that, that, that is what, that is the world that we are living in. And that's, what's been coming to light over the last few months. 
Yeah, well, that's a good uh, thing to point point at. You're you're absolutely right. I mean, the the, the president himself uh, has showcased uh, a, a depraved way, and uh, yet his followers, many of them, I'm I'm sure, I can't say all of them. I don't know for for certain would probably be in a camp that would be opposed to LGBTQ rights, I, I suppose. But yet the president uh, and his, his ways uh, to them are acceptable. It, yeah, it's, it's a strange mixed-up situation we're dealing with. But you are doing work to try to make it better. I mean, it must. we're, we're talking about some of the underpinnings, the, 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 the emotional components to what is going on regarding sexual orientation in our country. Uh, and... And, and how it affects us on a, on a visceral, a soulful, spiritual uh, level and intellectually as well. And then, you, you know, what do you do? You go to the government. That's the means by which we can make certain there is justice or to pursue justice. And you're doing that. You are listening to Troubadours and Tours with E.W. Conundrum Demure on Radio Free Brooklyn. Yes, and I, I, think, it's, I think it's really important, and, and this is not you know, just an LGBT issue. Um, look at how the kids are standing up right now with um, uh, regarding gun violence and saying no to that. Um, I think that, um, yeah, you know, well, who was it that said uh, all politics is local, right? I, I think that tip everything O'Neill. local. Yeah, Tip O'Neill. I think that everything local is political. Um, you know, if you look at everything, you know, even on a local basis in our small communities where um, it's government that decides when your trash gets picked up, how much you pay for your parking, um, if you have clean water, um, how your streets are maintained, um, who teaches your children, you know, and in, in a case like a local ordinance on LGBT issues, um, if you can be in a restaurant and not be harassed or, or be fired from a job or purchase real estate, that's another one too like if i wanted to buy the building across the street they could say oh no you're gay we're not selling it to you like that's legal (laughs) so um and and so here's the thing um i think that a lot of people are very surprised to hear that this discrimination exists and that it's legal in our state i more than not um in fact i would say 80 to 90 percent of the time when i talk to someone and let them know that you can be fired from your job or you can be denied services um like a restaurant or a movie theater or or um or you can be um uh, denied housing that happened twice here in bloomsburg a few years ago because you're gay they're like, oh, that can't be. That doesn't sound right. Really? Uh, they don't realize that that's actually what the laws, um, how the laws have come up short and how they're being blocked by the legislature. Um, and so I think that that's one of the best things we can do is just have these conversations and let people know that that's where we are. And that's what I think happened with the opinion change when um, um, when the law of the land changed to accept um, gay marriage. And so um, it's kind of if we follow that path, you know, a lot of people thought when that happened, well, gosh, you got it all now, right? You're just like every other married couple. Well, the fact of the matter is you can get married on a Sunday and you can get fired on Monday for wearing your wedding ring into the office. Wow. And and that, I mean, you you are, again, an advocate and a political leader in the state of Pennsylvania. And you're I, you're largely talking about the state of affairs in, in uh, Pennsylvania law, PA law. How about across the country? Pretty similar? 
Yes. So um, there are movements within uh, many states about this um, and making sure that people are treated equally. Um, But it's not I don't think we're at I'm not quite sure what the numbers are, to be honest with you, how many states have it, how many don't. And then there's different levels of it, like maybe one will protect employment, but it won't protect um, housing, you know, those kind of things. Or maybe they'll do housing and they won't do public accommodations. And so it's kind of a spectrum or a network. Uh, The human rights campaign, HRC, has a lot of information. I would encourage listeners to go out there and look them up and they have a map where it would show what the laws are in each state and and the push towards those. I've really focused on uh, my work in Pennsylvania, obviously, and and that's where I've kind of uh, held that light because of our neighbors who are all very accepting going all the way up the the East Coast, Um, but we're left in the dust. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I know I live in Scranton, and uh, from my understanding, we're pretty progressive compared to m- many cities in, in Pennsylvania, at least, with regard to uh, how LGBTQ uh, citizens are protected uh, uh, by municipal law. Yes, and so that's true. And the larger cities and metro areas, um, almost without exception, has adopted those principles of, of uh, fairness and equality. Some of them have had them for decades, like in Allentown and in Philadelphia. And so when you actually look at our population, about half of the state, because of the municipalities that have picked it up, even though it's a small number of municipalities, uh, it's over half of the population of Pennsylvania actually does have these protections. It's the small rural communities, and I put it to you that that's really where it's needed. Um, that's where you end up with issues like we did in Bloomsburg with a bridal shop that was refusing to service several, um, not just one, but several LGBT couples that came in and were embarrassed when they come in to get fitted for their dress. In the first instance of that, they were told that everything would be okay, and then it wasn't, and there they are. Um, and then the housing, there was one person who was denied housing twice because he was gay. Sorry, um, we don't want any kind of trouble. We just don't want to rent to you type of thing. And, and or over in like um, over in uh, Schuylkill County where they refused to bake a cake. Um, it's just, you know what, Pennsylvania is, is <laughs> I, I hate the idea that Pennsylvania is, is on this list for not treating its citizens fairly. Yeah, me too. We're talking to Dwayne Heisler here on Troubadours and Rock On Tours, a community activist, a politician, an advocate in many different regards, voting rights, uh, LGBTQ rights, uh, and just justice in general, social justice. It's nice to have him on the program. Now, before we go, uh, do you have any contact information you'd like to share in case people would like to discuss and reach out? Um, yeah, sure. I mean, I'm very active politically, and um, there are things that we can do. Um, we can lobby our members of the state legislature to um, get on board and get supportive of uh, of legislation to to just add the LGBT community to the other protected groups um, that are on there. And what I'm talking about, we know that we won't discriminate against um, age or women or 
um, uh, uh, you know, um, the handicapped, the, you know, the disabled, I'm sorry, or the disabled. Um, and so, or because of race or ethnicity, we just want to add LGBTQ to it. It's just an update, a long overdue update. And so if anyone's interested in being in touch with, I'm very active within the Democratic Party. I'm very active with the LGBT caucus. I'm an, I'm an, uh, an officer with them. Uh, just send me an email and I'll be happy to direct you and let me know what you're looking to do and what information you'd like. And I can direct you to the um, to groups like Equality PA that works hard in Pennsylvania or Keystone Progress um, and, and find out what's happening. So my email address is pretty simple. It's my name. Dwayne Heisler at gmail.com. That's D-W-A-Y-N-E, Heisler, H-E-I-S-L-E-R at gmail.com. And um, I'll be happy to, to put you in touch um, with, um, with anything that I can uh, to help you get involved because it's really easy to stand up um, uh, within one of these groups or in that framework and to be heard. Thank you. And, and um, any closing thoughts before we sign off until the next time uh, we – I'd like to talk to you again the next time we, we have a, an opportunity to, uh, to chat. Yes, I, I would like that too. Um, um, I'd like to be a resource for you, not only within the LGBT community, but maybe also within the political sphere because this is only one facet of, of, uh, of what I stand up for and who I am. Um, right now, of course, gun violence is very important. We have – uh, students that are walking out today and showing leadership and uh, their First Amendment rights. Um, we have the walk on the 24th in D.C. And many of our communities in Pennsylvania are having their own rallies and standing up against gun violence. Um, uh, there's a lot of issues out there right now. I'm a founder of an indivisible group. I'm working with them. I'm also involved. Um, I'm an employee for the Service Employees International Union. Um, so I have some insight there, and I'd be happy to come back. So I would just ask as a final um, as a final message that that people stand up and get involved. If uh, if we're silent, we're complacent, and we allow those things to happen. And in a democracy, you are constantly standing up for a democracy, and we need to show support uh, for the country that we love, and for our state, and for our local communities. Well said. Thank you so much, Dwayne Heisler. Talk to you again soon. Thank you very much. Have a great day. You too.
Quotations from Chairman Mao In the world today, all culture, all literature and art belong to definite classes and are geared to definite political lines. There is, in fact, no such thing as art for art's sake, art that stands above classes, art that is detached from or independent of politics. Proletarian literature and art are part of the whole proletarian revolutionary cause. They are, as Lenin said, cogs and wheels in the whole revolutionary machine. Revolutionary culture is a powerful revolutionary weapon for the broad masses of the people. It prepares the ground ideologically before the revolution comes and is an important, indeed essential fighting front in the general revolutionary front during the revolution. All our literature and art are for the masses of the people, and in the first place for the workers, peasants, and soldiers. They are created for the workers, peasants, and soldiers, and are for their use. Our literary and art workers must accomplish this task and shift their stand. They must gradually move their feet over to the side of the workers, peasants, and soldiers, to the side of the proletariat, through the process of going into their very midst and into the thick of practical struggles, and through the process of studying Marxism and society. Only in this way can we have a literature and art that are truly for the workers, peasants, and soldiers, a truly proletarian literature and art. Our purpose is to ensure that literature and art fit well into the whole revolutionary machine as a component part, that they operate as powerful weapons for uniting and educating the people and for attacking and destroying the enemy, and that they help the people fight the enemy with one heart and one mind. In literary and art criticism, there are two criteria, the political and the artistic. There is the political criterion and there is the artistic criterion. What is the relationship between the two? Politics cannot be equated with art, nor can a general world outlook be equated with a method of artistic creation and criticism. We deny not only that there is an abstract and absolutely unchangeable pol political criterion, but also that there is an abstract and absolutely unchangeable artistic criterion. Each class in every class society has its own political and artistic criteria. But all classes, in all class societies, invariably put the political criterion first and the artistic criterion second. What we demand is the unity of politics and art, the unity of content and form, the unity of revolutionary political content and the highest possible perfection of artistic form. Works of art which lack artistic quality have no force, however progressive they are politically. Therefore, we oppose both works of art with a wrong political viewpoint and the tendency towards the poster and slogan style, which is correct in political viewpoint, but lacking in artistic power. On questions of literature and art, we must carry on a struggle 
on two fronts. Letting a hundred flowers bloom, blossom, and a hundred schools of thought contend is the policy for promoting the progress of the arts and the sciences and a flourishing socialist culture in our land. Different forms and styles in art should develop freely, and different schools in science should contend freely. We think that it is harmful to the growth of art and science if administrative measures are used to impose one particular style of art or school of thought and to ban another. Questions of right and wrong in the arts and sciences should be settled through free discussion in artistic and scientific circles and through practical work in these fields. They should not be settled in summary fashion. An army without culture is a dull-witted army, and a dull-witted army cannot defeat the enemy. I'm a white man living in a white man's world Under our roof is a baby girl I thought this world could be hers one day But her mama knew better I'm a white man living in a white man's town Take a shot of cocaine and burn it down Mama wants to change that Nashville sound But they're never gonna let her There's no such thing as someone else's war Your creature comforts are the only things worth fighting for So 
kitchen I think the men upstairs must have took a vacation I still have faith but I don't know why Maybe it's the fire in my little girl's eyes Maybe it's the fire in my little girl's eyes Gong. I love whomever I love. No one in the sky above does indeed care who I love. If you believe I am wrong and feel compelled to draw sound from the proverbial gong, you, my fellow citizen, denizen, are profoundly without soul in your song. This is another uh, love song, sort of a diseased kind. (laughs) Baby, take off your coat real slow. Take off your shoes Yeah, I'll take your shoes Baby, take off your dress Yes, yes, yes You can't leave your hat on You can't leave your hat on You can't leave your hat on All over there, turn on the light. Know all the lights. Come back here, stand on this chair. That's right. Raise your arm up into the air. Shake on. Trying to tear us apart They say that my love is wrong They don't know what love is They don't know what love is And there you have it, episode 263 of Troubadours and Rock On Tours, with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. I'd like to thank those folks who made this episode possible. First and foremost, our newest regular contributor, I'm proud to say, 
Thank you to Dwayne Heisler, community activist, politician, artist, among other things. Great conversation. Look forward to some more in the near future. I also like to thank our associate producer, Dr. Michael Pavis, and uh, Mao Tse Chung. Thank you for your twisted view of the world. I guess you can mind some goodness out of anything, huh? Even maybe the mind of Mao. You be the judge. I also like to thank these musical artists. Django Reinhardt, Stefan Grappelli, Blondie, Muse, Sufan Stevens, Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit, Randy Newman, Terrence Blanchard, and Brantford Marsalis too. Until next week, enjoy this one. Thanks for listening.